Greetings, friends and brethren. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly great joy. Since the beginning of January 2020, I've been doing a series called Total Forgiveness. And I'm hoping to bring that to a, an end today. Uh, we have a lot of material to cover today. But I am taking all of this material from a very special book called Total Forgiveness. The author is R.T. Kendall, K-E-N-D-A-L-L. And I highly recommend this book to any clergy, uh, leaders, uh, anyone in the church, to be honest, but in particular in leadership so that they can teach their people these principles. They're so, so mandatory. And as you know, I felt a very strong need to start the year off talking about something that is one of the very most important cornerstone uh, issues in our spiritual foundation. So today we are talking about what total forgiveness is. Last week I finished up with number three, refusing to punish. Today we're starting with number four, not telling what people did. So let's just open with prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the spirit of truth that comes to lead us into all truth. Father, I know that these things are painful, even for my own self, to walk in total forgiveness. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you do a deep work in each of the listeners today, that, Father, we really grasp onto this truth, as painful as it is, so that we can walk in the most wonderful freedom that you have granted us through the forgiveness of sins. We thank you, Father, for your blood that was shed on our behalf so that we could forgive others. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, not telling what they did. Now, you and I both know when, when someone hurts us, we need to talk about it. We want to get it off our chest. And, you know, it can be therapeutic if it is done with the right heart attitude. But, 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 there's many buts here. And that is, you have to choose the person that you tell very, very carefully. This has to be a person who's trustworthy, that will not repeat this situation. And um, this is not something that you go around and share with everybody in the church, right? Because we're not telling what they did. Yes, you may need to therapeutically discuss it with an individual, but... We don't want to um, have this thing in our heart to purposely hurt this person's reputation or credibility um, as a form of punishment to them. So let's just keep it to an individual that you can trust that will, a wise person, okay? Not just anybody, but somebody mature and wise that can give you good counsel. So, um, we have to remember a couple things here. When we walk in total forgiveness, forgiving others as we have been forgiven by Jesus, we have to remember, A, we're not going to be punished for our sins. B, nobody will know about our sins for all sins that are under the blood of Christ will not be exposed or held against us. So 
if we blurt out and blab to people on the phone and bunches of people in the church what somebody else did to did to us then we are apparently forgetting that God will not tell what we did to him see he's forgiven us of much and he doesn't tell does Jesus tell anyone what we did when we confess our sins to him does he go and blab it to everyone no he does not he forgives us and he doesn't tell anybody so when we tell on our enemy we actually are showing contempt for our own forgiveness so we have to be very very careful that our motive for telling an individual is the right motive now your motive may not be perfect because it takes time to walk through that get healed but we don't want to do it so that we punish anyone by making them look bad okay so that's important number five being merciful total forgiveness is being merciful what does matthew 5 7 say blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy i've got a better one for you in the book of james chapter 2 verse 13 for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy mercy triumphs over judgment so the heart of the gospel is related to two characteristics one God is merciful two he's just and because he's merciful he doesn't want to punish us because he's just he must punish us because we've sinned against him so how can both of those sides of God be satisfied simultaneously easy the cross so God sends his son Jesus to die on the cross and God punishes Jesus for our sins so now Jesus can be true to himself and still be truly merciful to us and our sins are forgiven and we are not punished for them now when it says you know when we're told to be godly you know to be like God to follow God's principles you know we can't be like God in every sense he's omnipotent he's omniscient we can't uh, you know um, we can't walk in that we we are not omnipotent and we are not omniscient so carrying out the punishment belongs to God alone and Luke 6 36 says when it comes to being merciful it says be merciful just as your father is merciful one difference between grace and mercy is and this is this is you've probably heard this but it's just worth repeating again grace is getting what we don't deserve and mercy is not getting what we do deserve that's justice so grace has to do with the favor of God we're getting what we don't deserve and mercy is dealing with justice we're not getting what we do deserve so when we sh show mercy we are withholding justice judgment from those who have injured us 
I just read you the scripture out of James. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And that scripture also says that if you cannot extend mercy, then God, to the one who has harmed you, then God cannot extend mercy to you. A very important concept. All right. Number six, graciousness. So true forgiveness shows grace and mercy all at the same time. And um, in Philippians 4, 5, the word, um, let's see, this word, oh, geez, um, this word, uh, I've lost my place there. Um, this word graciousness is translated gentleness. So that, that comes down to our English word, graciousness. And this is what it implies. It implies an exceedingly rare act of grace. An exceedingly rare act of grace. So it cuts right across the legalistic spirit, which, you know, that's what comes naturally to us, right? Because we want to judge. And so gracious is an unusual, graciousness is an unusual virtue. It's a word, actually, that described Jesus all the time. When a group of self-righteous religious leaders led a woman to Jesus who was found in the act of adultery, there was no question that the sin had taken place, right? But what was the Lord's attitude toward her? Graciousness. They wanted to see if he was going to throw the book at her, if he was going to condemn her. But Jesus said, if any one of you is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And what happened? All her accusers walked away. So there wasn't any question that sin had taken place, but his attitude, Jesus' attitude was to be gracious. Paul, um, when he was dealing with Judea and, and Syncate, I think that's how you pronounce her name, there was a little family squabble there in Philippi, and Paul writes, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syncate to agree with each other in the Lord. That's in Philippians 4, 2. He said, see, if only each of them had been gracious, but they had strong personalities. They probably had people that followed them, and each side thought they were the ones that was right. And each wanted the other to look bad. But Paul just said, try graciousness, because it's an unusual virtue. I can assure you, graciousness is not the way presidential elections are won, right? We see that we're in an election year. People are not going to say nice things about their opponent. They're going to try to make their opponent look bad. And, you know, that works for these elections. That doesn't work in the kingdom of God. <laughs> so graciousness is, is withholding certain facts you know to be true so as to leave your enemy's reputation unscathed. See, we don't want to harm that person, the person who has harmed us. We do not want to ruin their reputation. Yeah, we know all the facts. 
but we are not going to ruin their reputation. Graciousness is shown by what we don't say, even if what we could say would be true. I, I like that. Um, Self-righteous people, they find it impossible to be gracious. Uh, they always claim to be after the truth, no matter the cost. But see, total forgiveness sometimes means overlooking what you perceive to be the truth and not letting on about anything that could damage another person. That is just, you know, that is like one of the really key things is that you know that you, you're walking in total forgiveness when you do not want to damage the reputation of another individual. Now, I'm not talking about someone who has committed a crime against you and that person needs to, you know, be um, brought before the judge, et cetera, et cetera. We're not talking to that degree here, okay? Because we're not going to withhold certain facts that we do know to be true. Because that person needs to be, um, you know, the court system needs to take care of that situation. But we're talking about other things. So gracious, graciousness is shown by what we don't say, even if we could say what is true. Number seven, total forgiveness is an inner condition. And really total forgiveness has to take place in the heart or it's worthless. Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we haven't truly forgiven those who have hurt us in our heart, it will come out sooner or later. And how will it come out? Your words. Your words will show that you are not walking in total forgiveness. When there's bitterness, it will eventually manifest itself. When there is love, there's, there is um, nothing to make us stumble. That's why reconciliation is not essential for total forgiveness. See, if the forgiveness truly takes place in your heart, then one does not need to know whether, the, whether one's enemy will reconcile. That's, you know... If we've forgiven a person in our heart of hearts and that person doesn't want to speak to us, we still have the inner victory. And it may be far easier to forgive when we know that those who have maligned us or betrayed us are sorry for what they did. But if we have to have this knowledge before we can forgive, then we will never have the victory over the bitterness. We just won't. See, we can't. You can't sit around thinking, oh, if they would just, you know, if they would just feel sorry for what they did. Then I could maybe, you know, let this go. But those that believe they're not required to forgive unless their offender has first repented are not following Jesus' example on the cross, are they? If you believe that that person, the offender, has to repent first 
before you can forgive them. That's not Jesus' example. What did he say in Luke 23, 34? He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So if Jesus had waited until his enemies felt some guilt or some shame for what they did to him, to beating him, and all the other things they did, he would never have forgiven them. And, and here is a truth that you really have to grab a hold on. Most of the people we forgive don't even believe they've done anything wrong at all. Or if they do know that they did something wrong, they believe it was justified. I have seen that in my own life. So the people that we must forgive many, many, many times, they don't even believe they've done anything wrong. And if they did do something wrong, they feel justified for doing it. R.T. Kendall says, he said, I'd even go as far as to say that at least 90% of all the people that he ever had to forgive would be indignant at the thought that they had done something wrong. And he goes on to say, if you gave them a lie detector test, they would honestly say they had done nothing wrong. And they would pass the test with flying colors. So that, that is, you know, sometimes that is hard to swallow. That they don't even believe they've done anything wrong. And if so, they feel justified. So total forgiveness must take place in our heart. And if we have a genuine heart experience, then we will not be devastated if there's no reconciliation. If those who hurt us don't want to continue a relationship with us, it isn't our problem because we have forgiven them. This is, this is really why a person can have inner peace even when forgiving someone who has died. Yeah, you know, we have to do that. I had to do that. There were relatives in my life that I did not like and I was angry at. And they were dead. And so I had to forgive them. Uh, the Apostle John wrote, he said, uh, friends, he said, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And confidence toward God is ultimately what total forgiveness is all about. He's the one we want to please at the end of the day, right? He cares and knows. He cares and knows. I'm going to say that again. Jesus cares and knows whether we have truly and totally forgiven. And he knows when we have his love and approval because we are happy and contented so we can't hide our feelings and think that the lord doesn't know oh we haven't totally forgiven this person we can't hide from him he knows our thoughts so we want to have that confidence toward god that we are walking in total forgiveness Number eight, total forgiveness is the absence of bitterness. And certainly bitterness is an inward condition, and I would say it's a condition of the heart. 
And where does it come from? It comes from an excessive desire for vengeance that comes from deep resentment. It heads the list of the things that grieve the Spirit of God. It, it became Esau's preoccupation. And truly, it is one of the most frequent causes of people missing the grace of God. Hebrews 12.15 says this, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I've talked about this many times, so I'm really not going to belabor that point, but bitterness will manifest itself in many ways. Losing your temper, high blood pressure, irritability, sleeplessness, obsession with getting even, depression, isolation, a constant negative perspective, and generally feeling unwell. We have to get rid of a bitter and unforgiving spirit. Otherwise, the attempt to forgive will fail. So it's true that doing the right things, even when you do not feel like it, can eventually lead to having the right feelings. But the very act of trying to do right shows that the bitterness is not as deep as it could be. The absence of bitterness allows the Holy Spirit to be himself in us. This means that we will become like Jesus. When the Holy Spirit is grieved, we're left to ourselves, and we will struggle with emotions ranging from anger to fear. But when the Holy Spirit is not grieved, he is at home with us. He can change us into the person he wants us to be, right? He can conform us to his image, and we will be able to manifest the gentleness of the Spirit. So, my friends, relinquishing bitterness is an open invitation for the Holy Spirit to give you and I his peace, his joy, and the knowledge of his will. This is extremely important when it comes to the matter of reconciliation. So, I encourage you to get rid of any bitter root that you might have in your heart. We want no trace of bitterness. None. And bitterness is gone when there is no desire to get even or punish the offender. So if you still have that going on in your heart, I want to get even, I want them to be punished for what they did, what they said, how they hurt me, and you want to hurt their reputation, then the bitterness is not gone. It is not gone. But when you can truly wish them well in all they seek to do, you're on your way. Number nine, forgiving God. Uh, the truth is bitterness is often aimed at God. Why do we feel this way? Because deep in our hearts, we believe he's the one who allowed the bad things to happen in our lives. Right? He's all powerful. He's all knowing. Um, and we think things like, couldn't he have prevented the tragedies and the offenses from happening? Well, uh, oftentimes we think he's allowed us to suffer when we didn't do anything. And it seems like, you know, why did, why did we get this ill treatment? What we ultimately believe is that God is to blame for our, for our hurt. But that's not a good place to go. Um, God does allow things in our lives in order that we trust him and believe in him and 
um, there wouldn't be any need for faith, to be to be honest, if we knew, you know, the answer concerning whatever happened to us, the reason for our suffering. Um, it takes faith to believe that God is working all things together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. Romans eight twenty eight. He does turn evil things into a blessing. He causes things to work together for good. So if we patiently wait for God's purposes to be fulfilled at the end of the day, this is a guarantee. We will say that he has done all things well, even in what he permitted. And to be honest, he, God was never guilty in the first place, but because sometimes... Because he sometimes appears to us to have been unfair, we have to relinquish our bitterness and wholly forgive him before we can move on with our lives. So we have to forgive God. And number 10, and last, we have to forgive ourselves. So total forgiveness, it means forgiving people, totally. It also means forgiving God, totally. But it also includes total forgiveness of ourself there is no lasting joy in forgiveness if it doesn't include forgiving ourselves so um, it is anything but total forgiveness if we forgive God and those who hurt us but we're unable to forgive ourselves so put simply we matter to God he wants our lives to be filled with joy he not only wants us to forgive ourselves but he wants it urgently total forgiveness brings joy and satisfaction so i pray that what i have shared over these last many weeks on total forgiveness this is my prayer that it will challenge you it will motivate you to forgive those who have hurt you to forgive the god who let it happen and to forgive yourself totally I am not saying it's easy because it's not I'm not saying it's not painful because it is painful but we surrender all things to the Holy Spirit and we let him work out these difficult things in our life and he knows because he is omniscient and he's all-powerful he knows how to work them out for our good. And he works all things for our good. And we just have to keep remembering the truth. Instead of believing the lies that the enemy, you know, the enemy will plant all kinds of thoughts in your head and you will feel so justified to want to get revenge, to want to punish the person, and do all the things that um, that we should not do. So it takes the work of the Holy Spirit to do that work in our heart so that we don't go that way. Because it's a bad road to go down. It will just lead to destruction. Um, and I, you know, I know that you and I both will struggle with emotions and but we just go to God we just go to the Lord and we just you know we're just honest with him and we say you know it hurts and he knows that and we tell him 
Now, we can't do this without him. He's merciful, right? He's merciful. And he understands. So we want to walk in this place of total forgiveness. It is the most free way to live in Christ. Amen? Well, you can go to www.pureheart.today and listen to this podcast again. Um, Always, 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 I covet your prayers. And if you would like to support this ministry, you can write me at Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. Um, I value... You know, I value your input. I value um, your prayers. I value your contributions to this ministry. And I thank you for helping to keep it on the air. So I look forward to being with you next week. And I close with Shalom, Shalom. Peace be unto you.